and welcome to the Constructor Cast, your AGC place for all the news, views, and interviews relevant to your construction business. I'm your host, Amy Hager. With me today is Ken Durr, Vice President at History Associates and one of the authors of AGC of America's centennial book, 100 Years Building on Experience. Welcome, Ken. Thanks. Glad to be here. So as many of you may know, AGC is currently celebrating its 100 years as an organization, and AGC of America was founded in 1918 to serve as the single voice to advocate for and help grow and connect the construction industry. And so when you visit www.centennial.agc.org, you can click on the history section and scroll through and see and read about major milestones in the industry. And today we're going to touch on some of that. So first, Ken, let's start with the creation story. How was AGC formed and why? Well, it was in the aftermath of World War One, but what people forget is that was also the tail end of the progressive era when pro- professions of all kinds were beginning to organize. And the war gave general contractors in particular an almost impossible task to do together. And the result was that they, they made a commitment to come together permanently, and, uh-huh. and that formed the AGC. It was the the task was essentially building these huge army camps. There were sixteen of them. They were the equivalent of equivalent of building mid-sized cities, sixteen mid-sized cities from nothing, um, to create the army f- for World War One and you know the the first uh, army on the scale that we know it. And general contractors did that. And uh, President Wilson realized that the government had to deal with industries, including the construction industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. So he encouraged that kind of organization. And the AGC came out of that effort and was formally organized shortly after the war was over. So then the Great Depression must have hit while AGC was still young, obviously. So how did they survive as such a young organization? Yeah, well, it was definitely a catastrophe for small contractors, and it was nearly one for the AGC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the organizational just barely held together. But the 1920s was really important. Um, it okay. enabled AGC to create a strong base. Um, it knit together local builders associations nationwide. It did a lot to raise standards for the industry. And during the 20s, AGC also proved that it could defend contractors in Washington. Um, ironically, those big army camps that, that AGC members had built became political fodder. They were um, politicians took advantage of, of the fact that they were built on cost plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but AGC completely absolved general contractors from these accusations, and that was a, a big victory. So AGC had had some momentum going into the the, the Great Depression. Um, and despite the tough times and the really heavy membership losses, there was some good news during the 1930s. The, um, one of the early parts of the New Deal was an effort to let every industry write its own what were called codes of fair competition. The idea was that unfair competition had helped lead to the Depression. Um, and AGC led that effort for the construction industry, which definitely helped strengthen the organization. And there was also uh, some new construction work um, for general contractors. The the Public Works Administration worked with general contractors to undertake some big monumental projects. The Triborough Bridge is an example of that. Okay. Um, 
But there was also some bad news. Uh, oh, no. Not a lot of people have heard <laughs> of the pub. Not a lot of people have heard of the Public Works Administration, but a lot of people have heard of the WPA. And the WPA basically bypassed general contractors by hiring workers itself, uh, sort of creating work, undertaking projects. That was clearly a big problem for the AGC, and it had actually been going on since the 20s. And, oh, really? And all through the, yeah, and all through the decade, um, AGC kind of fought a holding action, trying to keep general contractors um, employed at, at government projects and trying to keep what was called day labor at a minimum. So then it seems like there was a little bit better success, I guess, for the economy and the nation after World War II. And I know that some call it the American century. So, Ken, what role did AGC have in economic growth of the century? Um, you know, I'd start with the interstate highway system. Um, interstates were envisioned clear back during the 1930s. Um, and during that time, AGC had strong ties with state and local highway officials. Mm -hmm. And it was pushing the idea clear back from the 1930s until it became a reality in the 1950s. Um, and AGC helped keep the project moving, um, both you know by building the building the highways and by working in Washington. Mm -hmm. uh, from the 50s into the 80s, uh, AGC pushed to keep the federal government from diverting gas taxes, uh, insisting that they be used for construction. Uh, and later on in, in the 80s, there beca it became an effort to make sure to use those taxes for infrastructure maintenance as it became necessary to replace what had been built um, a generation or more before. Right. And, I, and, and when I think of the uh, AGC's role in sort of the, the, the big economic boom, the best example of which is the interstate highway system, um, I think of John Volpe. Okay. Um, he was a Boston area general contractor in the 1930s, um, and he Eisenhower appointed him the first head of the Federal Highway Administration. Mm -hmm. um, and then he went on to serve as AGC president. He went on to serve as governor of Massachusetts. Uh, by the 70s, he was the secretary of transportation. Um, so that's that's something that AGC gave not only to the construction industry but the nation as a whole. And so then when we take a step back, Ken, and we look at the whole 100-year story, what was the turning point? And when could have something gone one way or the other, in your opinion? Yeah, it was definitely the 1970s. Okay. Um, and, you know, when you're, when you're writing a, a book like the book that we wrote, you kind of get empathetic with, with the, the folks that you're <laughs> writing about. And, and anguish and desperation was sort of written through AGC during that period. Nearly every standard operating procedure was turned upside down. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, you know, during the post-war boom, most member firms were union firms. Um, union wages rose pretty quickly. Work rules can, became more and more rigid. But during the good times, contractors could pass on that cost. Mm -hmm. But in the 70s, things uh, were not so good. And when the tough times set in, um, both wages and work rules became a huge liability. Okay. And 
on top of all that, you know, just as the economy begins to turn south, general contractors had to deal with an unprecedented list of new and very expensive regulations, you know, for, for all the good that they did. Both EPA and OSHA came into existence in 71 and really put uh, unprecedented burdens on general contractors. Oh, okay. After that, you've got inflation touched off by the oil crisis in the mid-1970s. And, you know, every general contractor's chief task is trying to anticipate what costs are going to be. And with inflation running rampant, that became almost impossible. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, so I think the thing was that general contractors had to reinvent themselves in the 70s. And AGC worked pretty hard to help them do that. Um, to to help general contractors bring labor costs under control, work rules under control. Um, And, you know, in reinventing itself, AGC took on new things. Training, for example, that had previously been a union activity. Well, so AGC was formed by polling contractors together. And so what else was AGC doing? Did it include reaching out to other groups? And how did AGC play a role in that? Yeah, they had known, you know, the, the contractors who got together to form AGC knew that they one of their, their chief tasks was going to be to reach out to other organized groups. Um, one, of, one of my favorites is that there was something called the American Construction Council back in the 1920s to, okay. uh, to get architects, engineers, general contractors all together to work together. It was led by Franklin Roosevelt. Hmm. And he had much bigger aspirations than than taking on that task. <laughs> so that that effort fell apart really quickly. Right. But you know, AGC was was working at the same time with groups like the American Institute of Architects, the American Society of Civil Engineers, um, particularly on standard contracts. Mm-hmm. Again, in the 30s, there were there were initiatives with the AIA. Um, and this sort of builds momentum as the years go on. In the 1980s, we get partnering. Uh, after that, the development of consensus stocks, and more recently, the infrastructure security partnership. So outside of that, how do you see AGC's role changing in the years to come? Well, I think, you know, just as it was when we started Chapter 1 of our book, general contracting is still a conservative, uh, often family-oriented profession. Right. Um, AGC's always promoted flexibility. More recently, it's been devoted to inclusivity, um, and it's done that both in Washington and in direct service to its members. I think it's clear that AGC is going to continue to do that. Um AGC is also going to continue to provide recognition and fellowship, something it's done from the beginning. But as the industry continues to change, I think AGC's roles will certainly evolve. They're going to to include things um, like training and to include things like encouraging younger people to get into construction. But those overarching goals that that I talked about earlier, I think those are, are unlikely to change. That makes sense. It's kind of how we've been running for 100 years. And I think really bringing people together is always the fun and interesting part as an AGC staff person. Everybody has such a different walk of life. And I think you've really been able to highlight that in our book. So thank you so much, Ken, for taking this walk down memory lane with us today. 
You're very welcome. It was a lot of fun. If you want to learn more about AGC and the celebration of the centennial with us by telling your story, again, go to www.centennial.agc.org. I want to thank you for listening. This has been the AGC Constructor Cast. Constructorcast.